Hi, this is Richard Watts, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Smart Arts, a weekly radio show bringing news, reviews and interviews about the arts. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Thursday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and if you have any questions or feedback, feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. My first guest for the morning is from a UK company called Blast Theory, and joins me to talk about a fascinating work which encourages cyclists to take their bikes and to ride around the city. Because I'm sure if you're a cyclist, you already know those kind of secret places uh, and hidden nooks and alleys that only cyclists know because, I don't know, pedestrians might see them, but people driving cars won't. Joining me on the line from the UK is Nick Tandon-Vanich from Blast Theory to talk about Rider Spoke. Nick, thanks for joining us. Hi, Richard. Thanks for having me. Now, this is, as I said, a work. It's an intimate work for a single person on a bicycle with a smartphone uh, in which they can explore the city, leave a a message, a a secret for someone which someone else can listen back to. Take us back to the genesis of this work. I understand it was created back in 2007 originally when uh, smartphones were, were in their infancy. Uh, exactly. We, we we really were trying to think about uh, the kinds of spaces that we have when we're kind of traveling, where people often when when you're driving or when you're walking, it kind of gives you a space to reflect on things, to kind of reflect on your life or think about things that might be emotional problems or blockers. blockers. And um, uh, it occurred to us that cycling is, is, is a really great space for that kind of reflection. It's a really good space to think where you're involved in this really sort of physical process of pedaling and you're, you're as well as obviously paying attention to the traffic, but you have a, you're an opportunity for your mind to kind of reflect on uh, things that might have happened that day or happened over the course of your life. And we really wanted to use that as a, as a, a space that could be shared and use uh, the kind of technology that was emerging back then of mobile phones to find a way to share it. Now, one of the things that intrigues me about the work is the idea that it's about going on a journey without a destination. So it's already, I don't know, short-circuiting or reprogramming the way we think and explore. Because often, if you're cycling somewhere, walking somewhere, driving somewhere, you're thinking about the destination. You're not thinking about the places you're passing through. So does Rider Spoke also, just as an artwork on its own, encourage people to reconsider their surroundings, to to explore the world and, and experience the everyday in a very different way. Yeah, that's right. It's not like a it's not like a guided tour where we try and lead you by uh, by the hand through the city. Uh, it's an opportunity to use your own sense of what's important or your your own curiosity to guide you. Uh, and the smartphone does its best to try and kind of bring you along on a journey where you find your own version of the city that's new and exciting for you. And why did you want to encourage people to leave a secret, record and leave a secret behind, as opposed to just experiencing the work on their own? Well, in some ways it goes all the way back to 2007. 2007 was when YouTube was actually bought by Google. So at the time... um, 
the idea of user-generated content and social media was all fairly fresh. And we were really keen to think of what was a form of social media where we were inviting people to talk in ways that really um, allowed them to share something important of themselves. You know, we, we obviously, we're all used to kind of YouTube videos being entertaining or sort of uh, frivolous or funny, but finding ones that, finding a way to speak that would actually invite people to kind of tackle or think about kind of things that are very important to them, the, the things that have made them or shaped them. We wanted to find a, a platform that would actually do that. And, and I think Rider Spoke is our attempt to allow people to, to speak in those ways. What's also interesting about it is that it is encouraging people to rediscover a sense of intimacy of listening to strangers at a time when social media has fractured our society and made us hostile to strangers and hostile to different ideas. Exactly. And I think, you know, along with the mobility has come this sense that we're increasingly surrounded by um, sort of people that we just don't know, you know, the people next to us on public transport are people that we don't speak to or don't have any knowledge of their stories or what's behind their lives um, and we wanted to find something where um, you could sort of find that a sense of recognition and a sense of belonging through a kind of social platform or through the technology and f- a way to kind of remind ourselves of of the kind of struggles that we all face in some ways. Now Writer Spoke is being presented by Acme and it's on kicked off yesterday and is running through until Sunday the 6th of March there's five slots available every 15 minutes you jump on your bike and ride around the city but I think it's we should also note that for people who don't have bicycles or people who are perhaps unable to ride a bicycle for whatever reason uh, is the work also then accessible on foot or uh, for wheelchair users? Yeah, so as you say, if you have your own bike, you just bring your bike along and we'll give you a smartphone to fit to it. Um, but if you don't have a bike, we can loan you one and that's free for, for us to loan you one. But if obviously you don't cycle and lots of people don't, you can take part on foot. Or we also offer options for people who are mobility scooter users or wheelchair users to take part. Now, as people are moving through the city, whether on foot or in their wheelchair or on the bicycle... They are getting messages. Talk to us about what people will hear and experience as they circumnavigate or kind of incorporate themselves into Riders Spoke. So your guide is actually a narrator, uh, and she's someone who talks to you a little bit about their life and about the experiences they've had and things that and asks you to to reflect on things that might be similar moments in your life. Um, and by doing that, she asks you to answer a question and find a place to record an answer to the question that she asks you. Uh, and that might be a doorway. It might be somewhere that's uh, a place that you recognise or you remember or that feels familiar in some way. And having answered a question, she then lets you listen to recordings made by other people who were made in that same location. And then you repeat. You can uh, and it's, it's a very simple process where as, as she guides you through, she'll ask you more questions and then you get to hear more recordings made by other cyclists and hear what their stories are. So gradually, as people experience the work, they will unfold a, a very intimate and very personal map of the city in which their own experiences of it will be overlaid with that of complete strangers. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, as as 
as one of the people who's made the work and one of the things that's most exciting about the work every time we do it it's a, it's a new it's a new piece of work because the work is actually made by the stories that people that tell the, the stories that people tell themselves and so if, you know when we've we've been in different cities around the world they, they all have a kind of unique character in that in some ways in the kinds of stories that people have told and coming out of covid and coming out of lockdowns there's also this moment where i think people really do have urgent stories that they want to tell about their experience and things that they want to share certainly that sense of reconnecting whether it be with people or with a city is something that is very common to to the post-COVID experience, no matter where you live. But I wonder, given that you must have listened to so many of the different recordings from so many different cities in the world where Ryder Spoke has been presented, how do those messages differ from city to city? And also, how have they changed over time as people have got more familiar and comfortable with, with smartphones, for example? Because I'm sure when the work was first presented, the idea of standing in a public place recording yourself on your phone people may have been quite stilted and awkward, whereas now it's just an everyday occurrence. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a change that's happened over that time from over the 15 years or so that, that really is around people's uh, almost being acclimatised to speaking to a device or speaking to uh, uh, the ether in a way um, and not really knowing where it's going or how it's going to be, you know, or, or where, it's, where it lands that people feel just more comfortable. And it's def- you can definitely t- uh, sort of see it just in the length of the recordings that people make, where historically recordings would, would g- generally be uh, only less than a minute long, whereas, whereas some people now, you know, they have a, kind of a, a, a real sense that they can actually open up. And some recordings that people make are as long as like seven or eight minutes long. Um, but with each country, it, I think one thing that's notable is also... I guess, a sort of cultural differences and how comfortable people feel about opening up and talking about themselves. And I think British people, are like, uh, stereotypically uh, are much more cautious about the things they share. Um, but that, I would say, has changed dramatically because the UK is one of the places we have shown the work again more recently. When did you decide to bring the work back into the, the public domain, as it were, having created it as we said back in the in what 2007 well you you, you talked about this, the the kind of fractured and sort of divisive nature of, of of social media and some of those sort of online communities that, that that currently exist and i think when we when covid arrived and the pandemic came we were looking at two things one is looking at a piece of work that we could we could bring back that would hopefully be COVID resilient. So on a very practical level, you're cycling alone in the city. It's an outdoor experience. And we hope that, you know, it's it's less sort of... Um, people still feel some degree of caution about going back to theatres. And I think it's, this is one of the pieces of work that we think really sort of works outside of a theatre really well. Um, but the other is around, um, yeah, as you say, uh, social media can sometimes feel... Uh, divisive and polarizing and I think our experience of sharing wider spoke and the recordings that people make and the kind of the, the kind of glow that you often see on people's faces when they come back is that sort of renewed sense of belonging and recognition that they they are part of a kind of bigger community and I think that's the the really exciting thing about taking part in the show and presenting the show. 
Created by Blast Theory from the UK, Rider Spoke is being presented by Acme here in Melbourne. It kicked off yesterday and is running through until this Sunday, the 6th of March. For more info, just jump online, go to the Acme website, www.acme.net.au, and you'll find details about Rider Spoke in the What's On section of the Acme website. Tickets are $25. Uh, the idea is that you meet at the Flinders Street entrance of Acme, and a smartphone will be strapped to your bike or your mobile scooter or your wheelchair or whatever other device you are using uh, and that then for approximately the next 60 minutes you explore the city uh, hearing other people's secret messages recording your own and gradually contributing to a, a shared intimate map of this city that we call home I've been chatting with Nick Tandan Vanich from Blast Theory about Rider Spoke. Nick, thanks so much for joining us on the program today. Great. Thank you for having me. Triple R. There is a season of works currently on at the Fringe Common Rooms at Trades Hall in Carlton. Fringe Rebound, a whole bunch of shows that were going to be staged physically as part of Melbourne Fringe last year, but because of pandemic requirements and restrictions and lockdowns and so forth, could not be presented. So Fringe Rebound, uh, being billed as the Fringe Festival that never was, is on at the moment. There's a a broad range of works to catch between, uh, well, from late February through and all the way through until the 23rd of March. One of the shows that's on is called The Chronic Cabaret, and it's created by and celebrating the work of burlesque and cabaret performers with disability and chronic illness. It's produced by my next guest, Rosie Roulette, who joins me on the line. Rosie, many thanks for joining us here at Triple R. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you for having me. In terms of putting on a work like The Chronic Cabaret, how important is it to remind the world that people with chronic illness and with disability uh, are just as sexy and strong and vibrant and talented uh, as everybody else in the world. It's an opportunity to put people in the spotlight who perhaps sometimes we don't get to see. Would that be a fair summation? Yeah, absolutely. So that's a big message um, in the show. Like, yes, there is a... Um, focus on burlesque as a burlesque artist myself, but it is also a variety show, so you will expect to see everything from burlesque to drag to musical theatre and beyond. Um, We've got all kinds of artists who um, will be sharing their disabilities from multiple sclerosis to Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which I suffer from, to uh, neurodivergence, so autism, ADHD, etc., And um, I think it's extremely important um, for those messages and those um, stories to be heard in a world, especially now where chronic and um, invisible illnesses um, are being started to be talked about more and more with things like long COVID and um, with uh, people who are immunocompromised who are vulnerable in a world such as this. I think that's a a really significant point to raise because 
For a long time, chronic illness has perhaps been overlooked uh, and disability, we know, historically speaking, that disability was kind of like literally hidden away sometimes. Uh, and mm -hmm. one of the frustrating things about COVID, I know uh, uh, for people in the disability community, has been seeing how quickly, for example, theatres could pivot to suddenly streaming work. When they'd been asked to do it for years and years and years, suddenly it's kind of like, oh, mm. now, now you can, you can kind of stream the work to mm. make it more accessible. But conversations yeah. are changing and particularly, I think, as you, given that you mentioned long COVID, the number of people who will contract COVID and go on to have a chronic ongoing condition for months, yeah. years later, is going to force mainstream society to perhaps reevaluate what chronic Absolutely. illness is. Absolutely. And I think this is going to force the conversation to start looking at these invisible um, chronic conditions um, uh, as more people are going to start to suffer from them. And we're going to start to need to make accommodations for people who need uh, more help or more accommodations. And um, that is included in the arts world and beyond. So that is part of why the show is important now and has always been important, but is particularly important now. And also particularly important, as I said, to remind people, uh, people like myself, for example, who aren't living with a disability, uh, that people with disability and chronic illness have lives that are just as rich and just as full and just mm. as kind of uh, sexy and delightful <laughs> yeah. as anybody else. And, and again, that notion of, I guess, challenging uh, preconceptions and, and challenging negative stereotypes about disability yeah. and chronic illness are part of the show, but it's also just a sheer bloody celebration. Absolutely. So I like to say that this show is a mix of celebration and education. So each performer is invited to come up and share their talents and a lot of performers um, will share an act that is um, about their uh, disability or a celebration of themselves and their body or a part of themselves. And uh, then they will come and sit down with me, the host, and uh, I will have a quick chat with them about their diagnoses and they'll chat about how it's affected them as an artist and have a bit of a dialogue in front of the audience, which is a nice sort of like intimate experience. Um, and especially since it was opening night last night, that was uh, really fun for a lot of people who um, some people were very sort of... Uh, a part of that and uh, obviously we're, we're sharing in some of those experiences with doctors not listening to them or uh, things like that, shared experiences uh, and it's just, you know, a celebration and education. Now, Rosie, talk to us about the, some of the performers who are appearing in the Chronic Cabaret. Am I right in thinking yeah. that the Canberra Circus and Burlesque showgirl Sean Bridget is performing? <laughs> yes. Um, Can I, 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 shall, I shall just mention as a quick disclaimer that uh, Sean is my niece uh, and so I do yeah. perhaps have a, a slight bias. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted that, uh, that she's in the show. Yes, um, she's appearing in, as the featured performer for uh, the dates 
the 6th, the 8th and the 10th um, being interstate and being an award-winning burlesque performer uh, with cystic fibrosis um, and with other conditions as well. Uh, she absolutely rocks it, kills it, um, love her to pieces. And um, she will be headlining at those shows, 6th, 8th and 10th. And we've also got another interstate performer uh, with limb difference. Um, she does this incredible one-arm uh, one band dance um, on this Friday. Her name's Ambrosius Lee. Um, and we've also got lots of other performers from Kitty Obsidian to Freda Commitment, Drag Queen, um, and... Uh, obviously, myself, we've got singers, we've got dancers, we've got all sorts. Rosie, in terms of the opportunity to bring this show to the stage, given that it must have been, I imagine, pretty heartrending last year to have put all the effort into programming oh, and yes. producing and then have to pull the plug at the last minute. So what does it feel like now to mm. finally have the chance to not only put the show on, but to turn the spotlight on all these fabulous artists? Oh, it's it's been such a relief off of my shoulders to finally have it put out there after over a year in planning. Um, so I have spent a long time wanting to do this show, and um, obviously last year everything got um, put up in the air with uh, with. Fringe getting cancelled, so I was extremely humbled when Fringe uh, reached out to me saying, hey, we want to do this mini festival called Fringe Rebound and we would really love for you to come back with the Chronic Cabaret and we would love to help you put it on. And that was extremely um, wonderful for them to help me do that and I'm so ecstatic to have had the help and the people around me um, to support me to, to really believe in this work, to put it forth. Um, I've had wonderful people from Adelaide um, and other places um, who have inspired me. So I really need to shout out to Diana Devine, who has um, their own disability cabaret, who I have uh, been a part of before and will be a part of again as Adelaide Fringe um, later in the month, um, called Singing in the Pain. Uh, and fellow NASDA graduate uh, Jess Bryan has an incredible podcast about um, people with chronic illnesses and disabilities called That's So Chronic, um, which um, I've just uh, finished recording an interview and um, piece talk piece on my disability, the Stanlos syndrome, my colloid cyst and uh, fibromyalgia, et cetera. Um, yeah, I kind of have combined the concepts with um, disability show and talk show, so it's 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 um, really a, a, a love piece with all of those supporting wonderful people around me that have inspired me, that helped me push through with uh, this long time coming for putting on this show. <laughs> and I really love the fact, as you say, that it, yes, it's a, it's a, a variety show uh, featuring burlesque and circus and, uh, and more, but also a talk show, bringing those two different things together. So it's not just an opportunity to 
to see great work and celebrate the the, the variety of performers who are mm. being staged, but to hear from them directly, which is a rare thing yeah. in so many shows, unless you, I don't know, read the show notes carefully or Google every performer and yeah. go to their websites, you don't necessarily get a great kind of sense of insight into them and their lives. And so that strikes me yeah. as, a, as a really key aspect of the chronic cabaret. I think it's... I think it's important because um, given the material and um, given what we're trying to, to talk about in the show here, these people in particular have so such a wealth of story to tell you and they have some hilarious medical dramas as well um, and they've got some great stories to tell. So it's, it's just like, you know, I think the format is... is um, Welcomed, especially with things like, um, you know, New Zealand's Got Talent and those kinds of things. You're, you're kind of used to seeing now people performing and then chatting with, like, the judges or whatever afterwards. So it's kind of that format in a way. Um, they'll perform and then they'll have a little bit of a chat. Um, and And it works pretty well. Yeah. Presented as part of Fringe Rebound at Trades Hall in Carlton, the Chronic Cabaret has got uh, a few shows coming up. So you've got tomorrow night, mm-hmm. uh, the 4th, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Th- then next week, uh, Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday. So it's the 4th, mm-hmm. the 6th, the 8th, the 10th and the 12th. Uh, and times yeah. vary, I think, uh, between 6pm or 7pm, depending on the date you're attending. Yeah, so 7pm this week and 6pm next week. And for more information and to book to see The Chronic Cabaret as part of Fringe Rebound, just jump online, melbournefringe.com.au and check out the uh, the Fringe Common Rooms program and the Fringe Rebound program. And while you're booking for The Chronic Cabaret, maybe think about booking to see a couple of other shows as well. Support independent artists yes. who particularly need your support financially given the past two years of not being able to perform. So you're putting money in artists' pockets and you see some bloody great work including the chronic cabaret on this friday and saturday the 4th and 6th and then next week the 8th the 10th and the 12th it's produced by rosie roulette who also hosts the show rosie thank you for joining us here on triple r and chookers for the season thank you thank you so much go see out which is also about invisible illness and just after mine so it works out well perfect double bill (laughs) thanks rosie (laughs) bye this is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos, and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. If you already work in the arts, you will know from firsthand that the last two years have been gruelling and challenging. Alternatively, maybe you're somebody who's recently graduated from studying uh, an arts course, whether it's fine arts or acting, and or perhaps you're somebody who loves the arts and wants to think about a career in the industry. Practising your art, practising whatever art uh, is dear to your heart and your form of creative expression, 
is a key part of being an artist in the modern world. But the other half of being an artist in the modern world is the business side of things, the business of making art. Kind of, you have to remember to, I don't know, pay your taxes and do BAS statements and all those kind of things. So how do you learn those skills? Well, one way to do it might be to enrol in a series of free online courses being presented by the organisation Creative Plus Business. They're launching Creative Startup, uh, a free online program specifically designed for creative professionals who need to learn more about the business side of things and make the most out of their professional practice. Joining me on the line is Monica Davidson, the Director of Creative Plus Business. Monica, how many artists do you meet in your life who lack the basic skills of business management? Oh, hi, Richard. Um, all of them. Uh, <laughs> no, that's it. Look, and I don't mean to sound so cavalier. Um, it isn't something that's normally taught. It, it, even, you know, from a high school point of view, many of us who chose, you know, to pursue music or drama or dance chose not to pursue small business or economics. And then once we go into our other training or, you know, whatever it might be, university or college, these things just aren't taught. So we all kind of get shoved out there into the world and there's an expectation that we'll know what an ABN is for or what, how to invoice or, you know, what marketing is. And we, we just don't know. At Creative Plus Business, I mean, we literally talk to hundreds of people every week who just don't know this stuff. And more importantly, I suppose, from our point of view, is that they very often feel shame about the fact that they don't know this stuff. And there's absolutely no need to feel shame about something that nobody ever taught you. So this fact, the fact that you are offering this free online course to a beginner's guide to kind of the mm-hmm. creative business, what kind of fundamentals, what kind of basics... Uh, will people learn if they sign up for this online course? Well, it has four components. So it has four parts, and each part has eight short videos in it. The first part is all about starting up. So that's, you know, things you need to consider when you're thinking about being freelance or starting your own business. Um, and a little bit of basic information about things like getting an ABN and what kind of structure you are and the registration processes that you have to go through in order to make sure everything is legal because we do see quite a number of practitioners become unstuck by some of those basic things. Again, who would have taught you? Second part talks all about money, which includes things like how to make financial decisions, how much to charge, how to diversify your income, how to get ready for tax and superannuation and other yucky things, as we've called it. Part three is all about marketing uh, and in particular looking at, you know, different kinds of marketing tactics and how to understand your customers and your competition and everybody else. And part four is called a day in the life because when I was running a workshop about this years and years and years ago, I had this lovely woman come up to me and say, look, I know this might be a stupid question, but you've taught us everything that we need to get started, but then but then what happens? And I said, oh, well, no, that's a brilliant question. So A Day in the Life is a section all about what happens next, how to manage your time, some legal things that you might need to think about, your well-being, and how to make sure that you're still pursuing those purely creative activities 
that don't necessarily have an audience and aren't necessarily going to make money, but are still really vital and important for you as an artist. And one of the things about this course, from the sound of it, is that I know, and having spoken to so many artists over the years uh, and having friends who work in a variety of creative practices, when you Mm. don't have these skills, you end up spending less time on your art because you spend more time worrying about, oh, I've forgotten to do my tax return this year, now I've got two years to catch up on or three years to catch up on or, or... all those little things that kind of weigh over you and stop you being, stop you spending the time you want to spend on your art. So by skilling up in these areas, it will actually enable you to spend more time being an artist. Oh, 100%. And, you know, almost everything that we talk about is learnable. I mean, we're an educational organisation, so if it wasn't learnable, we wouldn't teach it. It's learnable, it's just yucky and boring and scary, which is pretty unusual for things to be both boring and scary, but these are all things that are boring and scary. And if you've never learned them before, that lack of knowledge can accumulate, as you're saying. You know, someone may not do their taxes one year because they don't really know what they're doing, and then the next year might be the same. And then if you keep going with that kind of thing, it just compounds the problem and makes the scary thing even bigger and even scarier. And honestly, we see more people having brilliant careers come undone because of a lack of understanding or application around some of these boring business and financial things than lack of talent. You know, it's it's vexing and annoying, but making a career, whether you're freelancing or, you know, running an organisation or starting your own business, it's as much about learning these basic skills, in my opinion, as it is about having creative ability in the first place. Monica, if we break down some of the the four major units that you've talked about, so you start with business basics, you move on to money management. One of the things that caught my eye there is the question of how much to charge, which is, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, something that's going to affect many, many artists, whether they're visual artists, whether maybe they're working with ceramics, for example, or they're a painter. Just looking at other works hanging in galleries isn't necessarily going to give you a, a good... Uh, kind of yardstick, I guess, to try to work out what to charge for your own work. Uh, similarly, that's right. Kind of being a, whether you're if you're a, an artist or a theatre maker, um, yes, you want to be able to kind of like make some kind of return to cover off your venue hire and all those other associated costs. But how much is too much? How much is too little? There's it's a minefield. It really is, and we've tried to break that down into a simple but, frankly, quite vexing answer, which is you can charge for your work, no matter what your work is, you can essentially charge whatever the market can bear and whatever you can get away with. So the two parts of that that we talk about in the workshop or in the online program is, well, how do you research what the market can bear? And certainly looking at what other people are doing in art galleries is a good start, but it's it's broader than that. And then how do you figure out what you can get away with according to what people are willing to pay? So we do we do go into it in quite a little bit of detail for what is, frankly, quite a, a short section. It's still important. 
And then the marketing side of things, for a lot of people, they might go, oh, I'll just make a Facebook event page and invite all my friends. But that's really only one small step and certainly isn't necessarily going to sell out a season of shows. Yeah, and we, <laughs> interesting, although, we, of course, we do talk about social media, we're frankly not gigantic fans of social media because of the instability of the algorithms that most of the social media platforms use. And it can be incredibly time-consuming and energy-sapping to be constantly trying to stay up to date with what Facebook and Instagram are doing all the time. So what worked yesterday may not work tomorrow, and there are other sometimes more old-fashioned methods that you can employ that actually work better. But in the workshop and in the, in the program, we focused on the strategy behind it. There's no point in putting a post on Instagram or sending out a newsletter or even handing out flyers on the street if you don't know who your customers are and you don't know how they perceive you and you don't know who else is out there, you know. And, and again, those are sort of scary ideas. Who else is out there doing what I do? And how, how can I differentiate myself from them in the eyes of the nice people with money? And how can I empathise with the nice people who have money to try and figure out what they want and need from me as the provider of this creative service or this creative experience? It's uh, unfortunately... When people don't know how to strategize their approach to marketing, sometimes their marketing can be a little bit too self-focused. You know, the marketing just becomes all about them and their show or them and their thing, when actually marketing is about the nice people with money and enticing them to get engaged with what you have to offer. Monica, speaking of money, why are you offering this course for free? Good question, because we uh, we actually applied for the money to be able to do this to the AMP Foundation, uh, which is a, a, a philanthropic fund associated with the AMP, and the AMP Tomorrow Fund has been giving out grants to tomorrow makers for a long time, since 2014, and I was the happy recipient of one of those grants. So I applied to the AMP Foundation requesting the money to be able to do this for free because our industry was in such dire need and because it was important that we help people to build up these foundational skills. So the AMP Foundation were kind enough to actually give us the money to not only be able to produce the program but also to have it freely available because that was a really that was really important to me you know I've I've, of course I was a creative startup once upon a time my kids are all trying to start out in their creative careers you know I really believe that this kind of fundamental foundational information should be freely available to anyone who wants it and because we're a social enterprise it fits in really nicely with the way we like to do things. So, yeah, we have the AMP Foundation to thank for their very generous grant that allowed us to do this work. And the works, uh, the Creative Startup Program, uh, will enable artists to work at those kind of fundamental business practice skills that you need to work as an independent artist. Yes, you've got your art, but you need those business skills as well if you're going to succeed. Creative Startup is launching on Monday the 14th of March and will be free for six months thereafter. The, uh, the next question, Monica, is how do people enrol? 
So people will be able to enrol from our website, which is creativeplusbusiness.com. We have an online courses tab there, which people can go on to. Uh, and we also have a creative startup link, which is quite long, but I'll read it out anyway. Masterclasses.creativeplusbusiness.com forward slash creative startup. If people go to that link, they can uh, pop their name down. They can find a bit more about the program, watch the trailer, uh, and pop their name down to get first access to the course but as soon as it goes live. Fantastic. And there's no catch. Honestly, it is totally free. I will tweet out that uh, longer URL uh, once we've finished this interview so that uh, anybody who follows me on Twitter and is or is listening to the show and who doesn't follow me on Twitter, just go to at Richard the Watts and uh, I'll tweet those details out. Uh, otherwise go to Creative Plus Business and look at the online tab section. Monica Davidson is the Director of Creative Plus Business and the Creative Startup Series, the free online workshop series, uh, is kicking off from Monday the 14th of March. Monica, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Triple R's Smart Arts a weekly radio show bringing news, reviews and interviews about the arts, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Thursday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and if you have any questions or feedback, feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. 